Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as today's show traffic reporter and journalist, TV and radio. Professional hoverer, <laughs> I'm watching you. Opinions are my own and not the views of my employer. Humans of Twitter is their stories, in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, Penny Dahl. Hi. Hello, Penny. Oh, hi, Mr. Malk. How are you? Look, look, all the better for getting the chance. <laughs> this is one of the rare Humans of Twitter where I get to see the person face yeah. to face. Yeah, oh, well, I like, I prefer doing that, don't you? Yeah, 1,000%. Oh, good. It's always, well, beats the internet, that's for sure. Yeah. To start with, Penny, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Um, I would say I, I'm not someone who puts myself out there necessarily. I like mm -hmm. to take a back seat in social settings sure. if I get introduced or I'll happily introduce myself as Penny yes. and that's about it. And if people uh, press a bit further from there, then I mm. might disclose a bit more. But I like to ask questions of other people generally, I think. Yes. I like to find out more about who I'm talking to and what they do and who they are. Mm. Um, so I would say slightly more reserved and uh, if people ask what I do, I say I'm a traffic reporter and that's it. And usually they'll perhaps scratch their head and think about that. And I'll say, do you direct traffic? And I'll say, no, no, just talk about traffic on the radio. And yeah. gradually I'll pass on information. And eventually it's like, you don't go up in the helicopter, do you? <laughs> and I'll say, yes, yes, I do. And they said... You're that penny. Right. And that's generally, it takes quite a bit. So if people mm. press, they'll generally find out. But unless I, I get that far, I don't put it out there mm. usually. How many hours have you clocked up? I was talking about that with the pilot today. Mm. More than most pilots, over nine years, minus maternity leave, thousands. Thousands of hours. And you're still not a pilot yet. I'm not a pilot, but you know, it's <laughs> funny because one of the most common questions you get asked is, do you fly the chopper as well? Oh, wow. And in the past, I used to say, no, 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 that's the pilot that does that. Now I say, yes, yes, I do. Because yeah. <laughs> let, let's be fair, piloting any kind of aircraft keeps you busy. It does. Piloting a helicopter is pretty crazy. I think that would be the ultimate traffic reporter. If you were oh. piloting with the camera in your face, looking down a bit like Arnie Pie in the sky, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I think that would be the ultimate. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you and well, we'll talk about the best ways to get around Brisbane shortly. <laughs> um, do you do you think that the reason you want to know more about the people that you're meeting socially, yes, is that your news knows, or is that Penny being a little bit on the introverted side? Let's talk about you more than me. Well, I wouldn't say I'm inc incredibly introverted, mm. so I would say it's just more the background of journalism. Mm. I just like to know more about the person who I'm talking to before sure. I give more of myself. Yep. So before I disclose everything about me and my life, I, <laughs> ah. I, I like to make sure you're legit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, know a little bit about who I'm talking to, I guess. Mm. Yeah. That's... Um, it's always interesting to talk to journalists um, in the context of social. Mm. Uh, and I don't mean social media, I mean talking to people at a party, usually drink in hand, that stuff. Yeah. Because a lot of them find subtly it's very hard to switch off. Yes. 
that they, they it, it is let's find out who you are and what you're about and yeah. those kinds of things. And most social settings for me nowadays have to do with kids since mm. I've had kids. And so that introduction's always, I'm so-and-so's mum. Oh, I'm nice. so-and-so's yes. mum. And you don't do much beyond mm. there. So yeah. you're just known as so-and-so's mum. So hopefully your kid's a good representation of yourself. Oh, that so-and-so's one, the one that kicked my kid the other yeah, day. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So oh, you're such and such as mum, right? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going over to talk to Chantal. Yeah, that's now. right. I heard about you. <laughs> and what happened at daycare? Yes. When it, nine years? Yes. You've been doing traffic reporting. Yeah, coming up October, nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, apart from seeing some weird things, uh, the weather would play a massive part in what you do. It does. I mean, we are talking Queensland, though. So other mm. states, it plays a little bit more of a part. But uh, yeah, weather is obviously important. There's certain conditions you fly in, certain conditions yep. that you don't. Um, westerlies, we're getting oh, into yeah, <laughs> the good old westerlies in Queensland. And uh, they make it interesting. Oh, <laughs> gosh. That's for sure. You wouldn't want to have a weak stomach with the westerlies coming in. No. Um, certainly the times of year, how cold it gets when you get up there. Mm-hmm. Um and also sunrises, you yes. know, which is I obviously Instagram demon. Yeah, man. yeah, You've got some crackers. So for for, for photography, I'll get it out. Photography mm. is um, obviously something I'm interested in when I'm up there in yep. terms of documenting more what I do. Sure, but that's weather dependent. Obviously, flying conditions, that sort of thing. Because it would be, you know, in the three days a year that Queensland, particularly Brisbane, South Queensland, gets fogged in, yeah. you guys don't get to take off. We do, really? depending on the level of fog. So okay. if it's at around 1,000 feet, which is what we fly at, yep. then no, the poor visibility. You've got to be able, basically, you've got to be able to see. Sure. So you've got to be able to see where you're going. However, if we can go above it... Or if there's patches or holes in the fog. So it depends on the safety in terms of where the fog's placed. Mm. I would say fog placement (laughs) as to whether we can fly or not. Because I have managed to get above the fog a few times and get some pretty amazing shots. Although you can't see much of the roads when... (laughs) Well, I was going to say, from a a traffic reporting point of view... Yes. We're getting really into the minutiae here. It's not just... Uh, you know, let's fly over the Normanby five ways yeah. and see what the traffic's doing. You're no. also liaising with the, the traffic centre and those sorts of places, aren't you? Yeah, so we have our ground crew mm. and we fly in the air. I do TV reports, but I also do the radio reports. Yep. So we get information from various sources, ambulance, etc., police, about where accidents are. Um, mm. And then we fly to them and see if we can get a good look. And often, you know, the information that gets through is, you know, Chinese whispers, you, get, you don't always get that accurate picture yes. although traffic management center in the city are great they yep. give they are really accurate they have people go and help clear it up obviously yeah. but um then we observe it ourselves and we might be able to add a bit more color as to what's happening oh you can't even see where the delays go back to or yep. you know what's involved oh there's a taxi involved in yeah, this it's one. all tail lights yeah, yeah you know just just giving a bit more color and description as to what's going on and what sort of roll-on effects yep. it's having um so yeah, that's what sort of what we add to it, I guess. Sure. Be- being able to fly over it. And... Yeah, well, it, yes. What's the the best and worst thing you've seen from the air? Fatalities are the worst by mm, far, I can imagine. and it is with you all the time. And it's certainly since having kids, mm. it's something I think about now. Whenever I get in oh, the car, yeah. is about what causes accidents what sort of accidents there are, the worst roads for them, the worst stretches of roads where I've seen Mm. accidents. It always makes me think 
um, twice. Mm. So I can't imagine for people that work in emergency services and have to actually go to these yeah. accidents. Um, yes. But viewing on it and viewing it and reporting on it, I would say it does have an effect on you after yeah. a while. Um, the best thing is just the funny things mm. you see. Like there, are, there's always something a bit different or unusual, or funny. I I always joke that I love like my favourite things: animals on the loose, <laughs> yes, and um, spills. Like not serious mm. spills, but spills like a beer spill yes. or fruit and veg yeah. or sewage or you know all sorts of things that people uh, lose their loads all over the road. Mm. Obviously, it's not nice for the people that have to. Uh, clean yes. it up, but it's you know makes good footage, good color. Yeah, yeah. And if you've got a good pun to back it up, you're in business. Yeah, there's been all sorts of things, especially um animals on the loose. They've got the best puns. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could imagine. The I feel like at this stage you should do a back announcer or a sponsor read because this seems you talking grabs in oh, your day job. I? Well, no, no, just in that normally it's like you know the traffic's doing this, blah blah blah. Yeah, and don't yeah. forget if you need to do this, Google this and do something. Yeah. And that's it. I'm Penny. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I I hope I'm straight to the point. <laughs> makes it makes me. Oh, well, you said at the start something about being interesting. So yeah, <laughs> so far so good, right? I think you're doing all right. What's the best way to get from the city, um, into the city of a morning if you're coming from say the Are Gap? Are you quizzing me? Yeah, from the Gap. Because mm. um, Waterworks <clears throat> Road's a nightmare at the best of times. Well, welcome uh, to the Brisbane podcast. <laughs> I just realised this has got really local, really quick. Well, the best way if you're a local is the back roads. Waterworks Road, you're right, is mm. bad. Um, there's no real better arterial, I, th- I think, than that. You can take Kelvin Grove Road, I think, instead and go along Countess yeah. Street. If you go across that way from the Gap, if you go across ways, but Waterworks Road's your main inroads. And it still all converges on the five ways too. It certainly does. Spitting out somewhere else, go through the and valley or... The earlier, the better, mm. I would say, because around eight o'clock in that particular stretch, it oh. gets really bad. But who would commute mm, for a living, Penny? I don't know. The people that are listening. To I this fly way. over. I must admit, I'm probably the most impatient person in traffic <laughs> as well. And there's nothing that upsets me or makes me more disappointed in myself. If I'm at work and I report on an accident mm. and then I leave and oh. I forget, drive straight into, and it. I drive straight into the delays. Yes. So I that would be frustrating. It's frustrating. I can't handle it. I mm. really, I really struggle with congestion. I would rather take twenty back roads and take two hours extra mm. and be driving at speed than sit in delays. So I, hopefully that could make me empathise with commuters of the morning. <laughs> one would think. I don't know how you sit on the M1 though. How do you do it? Oh no, I see that regularly. How would you do go, that? No. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. I understand that lots of people on the Gold Coast and increasing numbers from the Sunshine yeah. Coast commute into Brisbane for yeah. work daily. Yeah. That in itself strikes me as incredible. It does. Because they're looking at 90 plus minutes yeah. one way in some situations. And it starts earlier now. It's from around, yeah. um, for, uh, when do I get to, I'm driving to work maybe quarter past, half past five. It starts on the Bruce Highway then. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's getting worse. Oh, man. That's, and where do I, where do all these people park? What do they do with the... Yeah. It's just outrageous. And, and I, look, trains and stuff help it. But as we've seen with the Gold Coast particularly, there are, there's train service running from the Gold Coast to Brisbane yeah, regularly. You know, yeah. Peak hour often. But it's always full. I hear people that commute that they have to stand for an hour on the train. Yeah. And then the other thing is, as soon as something happens, a signal fault or an issue... <gasps> yeah, you're done. You have to get off, get buses and change. Not that that happens often, let's but say. When it but it does... Yeah, considering the land space of Brisbane, though, there probably really isn't enough trains to cope as well with the no. amount of people. 
And the Sunshine Coast still doesn't have a proper rail connection. Mm. It's ludicrous. Mm. I say that as a kid who grew up on the Sunshine Coast and mm. one of the promises delivered as I turned 18, the very first state election I voted in, uh, was a promise that we will extend the rail link uh, into the Sunshine Coast. Cause and you're only, still waiting. There's still It still only runs, you know, Nambour North, mm. so Mulaney, Landsborough, blah, blah, blah. That's it was meant true. to come into, uh, through the back end of Caloundra, Kiwana, probably even Mooloolaba Mountain, Mountain Creek and stuff. Well, I read an article the other day about someone who actually did a test of how long it took for them to get from Brisbane City. Yes. And they said, I want to go to the beach at the Gold Coast. Yep. So and they did it purely public transport, and it took them over two hours <laughs> to wow. get to the Gold Coast, just based on the public transport and the connections they had to take. It's There's crazy. no direct way to get to the beach. Yep. You just can't do that. There's something missing, I think. Don't start me on the airport rail link. I did oh. it once, never again. <laughs> and yeah, <sighs> what are you passionate about, Penny? What am I passionate about? I think I always have been about work. Mm. I like to I like to be good at something and do a good job. I think that rates highly for mm. me. Um, family obviously yes. is uh, rates highly as well. Um, I think those have taken a front seat in the last few years. When I was younger, it was a lot different. It was yeah. more about travel and and you know pop culture and things like that but yeah. i would say those are gradually changing as i get older sure now you travel every day in a helicopter i do i do so maybe it was always meant to be just not quite as far abroad i would say as yeah. i did in my younger days <laughs> do you find um that you reflect on where you are now mm-hmm. is it is it what you year 11 penny thought she'd be doing i think it it is, in a way, because journalism... Wow. I went straight from school to uni yes. and it was always journalism. Yep. Um, so perhaps I thought I would have written a book by now, <laughs> as most yes. people think they do, because I did have a real passion for writing. Mm. But I feel like that's something I still have. Yes. I still can do. I mean, you can write a book at any time. And I think that it, upon reflection, I didn't really have the maturity to write something that I could yep. really be proud of. So hopefully that's still on the cards one day. Yeah. Um, so perhaps I would have thought that, but definitely being a journalist still or in that field mm. is where I thought I'd be. Yes. And I think I, I would have been proud of myself. I hope so. Mm. Yeah. Well, no reason why not to be. I mean, you've managed to, to live in journalism and media circles for quite a serious amount of time. Yeah. I don't see any, you know, Woman's Day cover apologies or... No. You know, and it's a narrow things. industry. I think that's one of the more... I, I think the sadder things that's happening these days, like mm -hmm. radio and TV, it's it's shrinking. I yes. think the opportunities are shrinking for journalists in particular. Yeah. Um, you hear about redundancies every day and yeah, every the loss day. of jobs. And I think those of us who still get to take part in it are extremely grateful but also concerned about what lies ahead. And there's still hundreds of kids going into journalism degrees. Yeah, they are. Well, like, for example, we're halfway through 2016 at time of recording. <clears throat> there will be year 12 kids looking to do journalism next year. There's kids in first year journalism now that are facing an industry that is going to be dramatically different when they yeah, graduate. Yeah, the landscape's changing, though, because there's nothing to stop you being a journalist right now. No, absolutely. I think they've shown that case in America where the young girl started up her own newspaper mm. in just in her local street and made headlines worldwide yep. just based on that because the outreach, the reach of the internet, yes. which wasn't there when I studied journalism, 
you have a lot more potential now to do things on your own. You yeah. don't necessarily rely on Rupert Murdoch or anyone else to get your story out there. That's true. It doesn't hurt to have Murdoch money behind <laughs> you to, to make sure people oh, hear about I, it. I could do with a bit of that, I think. Yeah, that's right. Is Lachlan available? <laughs> oh, look, I'd turn the money. That much money. Do you find, Penny, that in... Because uh, you've spent some time in radio yeah. as well. That you look on the the radio landscape, particularly these days, yeah, and uh, like, is there something that that gives you um, buoyancy or hope for it, or do you just see it as radio is just radio and it's it's you know crawling to its ever ever diminishing kind of network death? I don't know if I can accept that just because I have a love for it. Mm. It's where I started. It's what I've always done is radio. Um, so I don't think I could ever accept that. I mm. think there's a place for it, but it just has to evolve. Um, and because things are changing so rapidly, sure, um, it's it's becoming an ever-increasing process. Um, news in particular, which is where, where I started news, is really yeah diminished everything's networked these days and i think there is a place for local news i really do and i think that it's sad that it doesn't happen as much there's a lot more networking a lot of uh, even metro newsrooms now only have one journalist Mm. in them as opposed to a team who'd go out and chase stories locally and that's how news is found and and it's a shame that that's not happening. I think there's a place for it. I Maybe one day there'll be a resurgence. Maybe someone will find a way um, in order to, you know, create that market again. Because I think people still want that. I do think that people want that. Yeah. So who's who's left who's left to report to capture the news? Not, not tell us about it per se, but who are the people that... Is, is it just print slash online, you know, there's like people like the Brisbane Times or News or, you know, those sorts of things and TV journalists and I guess to a smaller degree, you know, you talk back radios. Well, the appeal of radio was always, the appeal of radio news was always the immediacy. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have to wait for the evening publication of the news. Um, You know, you were on air, live reporting. And I think that's still, but now the TVs have access to that because everyone's tuning in. You can watch a a clip on Twitter of a reporter outside a station. So the immediacy is starting to creep in for TV. Plus news is spread across the day. Now there's news reports all through the day on TV. So that's caught up in that in that sense um but radio always had the immediacy as well yeah, so yeah, yeah I, I think that was the appeal and I think that's still there like I said I just think it needs a better platform perhaps these days and I, I'm not sure how that's going to happen but yeah. I definitely think local content is still important to people mm. and just you know the delivery of it where it's not just gossip via Facebook or gossip yeah. via Twitter people need Hearsay. to know there's truth to it yeah, you know yeah, and right integrity to what's being reported you're right that the changing face of media is that those trusted sources have broadened yeah you know, gone are the days when i will only tune into the six o'clock news or or tune into a specific radio station to get my news mm-hmm. or read specific newspaper there's now um look let, let's call them legitimate in the context that they are funded explicit news services like yeah. the fairfax and, and news court news limited versus your uh, your other news sources, which might be a, a, a blog um, where that person specialises in this kind of news. Yeah. And they get, they're, they're breaking real stories. They're yeah. delivering the stuff, but it's just very specific and, and um, uh, narrow in their breadth that they cover. Um, Twitter and Facebook and those, you're right, open up big opportunities for people to become trusted sources. Mm-hmm. The catch is, are they really sources? Is it really trusted? 
I think that becomes the problem for us, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You need to have integrity at the end of the day. And a lot of people question the integrity of news outlets. Mm. But, you know, that's part of it as well. You need to be able to do that. And you need to be able to question the integrity and have open discussion about what makes news and why it's news. And holding uh, journalists accountable and news organisations. But that makes you a better journalist as well, I think. You know, doing what you believe in trying to do what's ethical, Mm. what's moral, and report things in a balanced way that tells the real story. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I I think the difficulty in modern media is that by uh, journalists reaching out Mm -hmm. and being available and accessible, it also invites in that criticism and that, that being held to accountability, which in and of itself is reasonable. The problem that becomes back in the day, and we're not even talking that far back, if people wanted to complain about you, they had to ring, you know, the, the office, they had to ring the... the it was a letter front. to the editor. That stuff, right? Uh, yeah, and nowadays it's... Twitter, bang, you're done. Well, I think the more depressing side of it's Facebook. The comments I read on I there, I just... I try and stay away from Oh, it's a cesspool. It really is. Of the comments that you read on yeah. um, news articles in particular, people who don't even read news articles, it's yeah. just they Headlines, read the headline... Bang to the link and then comment and um, it's it's just it's not really helpful and it's not a worthy way of learning about news either it's, no, it's and, not or in- discussing it you know gone are the days when civil discourse was you and I might differ on something mm-hmm. of, of quite significant value but we would be polite about it we would be you know, because that that was, I think, what the letter to the editor yeah. argument would play out over days or weeks. You know, Penny's written in and said this, and then yeah. Steve's written in return fire, and that's. But it was, let's call it publicly sanitized because yeah. they knew that. Well, this is Penny, and this is who she purports to be. Now it can be an egg with some made-up name or some Facebook. Yeah, dude and not whatever. filtered, not New. filtered, no thought. Yeah. Um, not constructive no. either. And often, I just feel people are looking for a way to, uh, f- uh, looking for a reason to object to something. Oh, I saw um, Annabelle Crabb and Lee Sales on Twitter the other night uh, retweeted some of the choice um, things that they had been accused yeah, of. Yeah, I saw the Lee Sales one, yeah. Um, and it, was, it wasn't that they were all left biased. Mm. There was also claims that they were right biased. Yeah. In both sides. And, and the stuff that was said in, bo- in all of the cases was abhorrent. Do you think it's real though? Do you think it's even real or whether people are just like they talk about trolling and I think some people just get on their debate and I think they just seem to. I think there's a a portion of that that is just people being trolls, just saying things to be absolutely ludicrously bad. Yeah. However, given that when I I just, I I replied to them and said, guys, I cannot believe the rubbish you guys have to deal with. Just the replies that I got to them weren't trolls because I engaged with them. I said, yeah. well, hang on, what are you talking about? And But would they say it sitting here with you well, This in is person? the thing. I would absolutely suggest they wouldn't. I think that's a good tip for social media in general and certainly Twitter. I think that you, when you post, it would be something you can say to people yeah. um, when you're sitting face to face and hopefully it is something you could say things to people's faces. Yeah, look, Penny, I've been meaning to talk with you. I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> um, no, no... Uh, I agree. I think that it no longer the benchmark is, you know, would you say that to your mother? Because mm. I think that the level of civility has changed around what's acceptable in how we talk to our fam- familiars, our family yeah. and stuff. 
I think it needs to be, would you in a public forum yeah. speak like that to that person? Um, because as much as you may not recognize it, look, we see it. Or was it the, the physiotherapist from the gold, the, sorry, the central coast yes. that, that had a go at Nova Paris yeah. and rightly taken to court under racial vilification, all the rest of it, admittedly got a suspended sentence, but pretty much got told but trial by public he is he's done he's done and there's no court in the world that could have given him the punishment that he's been dealt after that went public practice is going that's for sure Uh, (laughs) the thing is once it goes public and you know everyone disagrees that's you know trial by facebook trial by twitter i don't buy part of his defense slash excuse was that he thought he was replying in a private group, not publicly. It doesn't matter. No, it does not matter. That's exactly right. It doesn't matter if you set up your little, you know, walled private groups. We hate everybody. Um, There's still a person on the receiving end of that. There's still somebody in the group that could, quite honestly, screenshot it and post it. No. Um, like somewhere else, if they didn't like you or they thought that it was a particularly snarky comment that they enjoyed, that closed group becomes very public very quickly. Uh, and then there's also the fact that he said that I didn't know how to delete it. Well, look, I, that that may well be <laughs> then possible. You d- get out. Yes, be gone. <laughs> you don't belong on there. <laughs> yeah, if you if you don't know how to if you know how to post, you should know how to remove, and pretty quickly. Yeah. If you yeah, that's not. Well, I say all this with the hope that one day I won't make a stupid mistake as well on social media. So fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, and, and well, there's books now written about you know saying stupid things and and you know trial by social media and all of the yeah. rest of it. I, I think that um, they talk about crisis management in a social media age and, and that the best thing to do is front foot everything. Mm-hmm. Just own it. Yeah. Like own it in that if you believe it, stick by it and then deal with what comes. But you know what? The other problem with that is, and this is something I definitely noticed, that there are people who say things and they say them and upon reflection they go, that was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. They offer their full and undoubted apology. They say, I'm incredibly sorry, but people won't let it go. No, we need to give people that People won't let it go. People will drag it on. And whenever they come into the public eye in future, it will be brought up and they'll be raked over the coals again. I think if someone comes straight off the bat and says, that was stupid, I said that, I didn't mean it, then you've got to look at their apology and judge it for how genuine it is yep. and perhaps think about accepting it because that often happens. People will apologize. Yeah, yeah. It's an admission of guilt and people won't let it go. You're, you're right. Cause the, the flip side of owning it and dealing with the thing is, is straight out. Look, yes, I did. I, I said the wrong thing and I mm. apologize. I retracted all of the stuff. Um, and, and not at, at the risk of bringing up Eddie McGuire again <laughs> in the latest fracker where he said what he said about, um, Caro, uh, it was interesting because he and James Brainshaw and is it Danny Frawley? Look, I, AFL people, forgive me if I've used the wrong person. The three of them were the primaries in that conversation uh-huh. that was broadcast. And after it happened, when it did was exposed slash blew up, uh, I think it was Danny Frawley straight away. I said the wrong thing. Yes. It was inappropriate. I wholeheartedly retracted and apologised to, to Caro. And, and like it, it uh-huh. was, you could tell, a very legitimate, I did the wrong thing. Yeah, and owning stupid. it. Yep, totally owned it. Yeah. To his benefit, I think that's the first time. 
Yeah. Again, I could be very wrong. And again, I think that um, when you're talking about the other people involved, a certain mm. person in particular, I think because there's been issues in the past and there's been p- perhaps a past uh, yeah, indication, it. I think that people w- wouldn't be ready to forgive regardless yeah. um, because there's a history there and there's history there. and It becomes the balance between, you know, look, are you just seriously that bad at putting your foot <laughs> in your mouth or is this re- a reflection of endemic behaviour and thoughts Well, when there's have? no accountability, I mean... Or when the accountability is a slap on the wrist, you know, Eddie McGuire has the full support of the Collingwood board. Yeah. You know, like, really? Really? This is where we're at? You guys are about to have, you know, a female AFL team uh, and, and a female netball team. And this is how you're talking about one of the premier AFL journalists in the country who happens to be a woman. Well, it's being talked about now, at least. At least this is something now that's being talked yeah, about. Yeah. Oh, in the yeah. past, it's... You know, a lot of people suggest you're meant to laugh it off or just take it as a joke, but it's obvious that it's becoming the way that it's not taken that way. <laughs> Working in media as a woman, Penny, you you would have seen some pretty yuck things, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I have. I've seen, uh, well, not necessarily seen them. I've been exposed. Uh, yeah, yeah, exposed to, especially when I was a lot younger. I think oh, as God, you I get as you get older and more jaded, <laughs> you don't you don't tend to. Um, you know, put up with as much, but certainly when you're trying to get a foothold and you're, you're trusting your employers and the companies you work for to give you, you know, exposure to the industry and to be able to keep your job. And often the line that I can't stand is, um, you know, we've got 10 people waiting in the wings who really want your job. Um, so you should be happy with, the job you've got you should be happy with this because there's 10 people waiting who want to do the same this job right now and that's something that I've heard back in the day and and you know it's it shouldn't be that way no it should not be and but it's still that way because the dinosaurs that that ran the radio then trained the dinosaurs who run the radio (laughs) now and I I just now I say this completely as someone who works on the outside and my closest to doing anything with radio uh-huh. is is spots here and there. You know, yep. I don't see the daily machinations of talent management and all of the rest of it. Um, but I've talked to enough radio people yeah. to hear the things that you're talking about be exactly that case. Yeah. To the point where like it, it just needs to be a, a complete certain network certainly, but a, a reset. You know, these people need to not be making those kinds of decisions because the way they're dealing with people, mm-hmm. uh, particularly women, predominantly radio in Australia has young women under the age of 25, gross generalisation, um, yeah. particularly in breakfast slots, being managed by these guys that are telling them, well, if you don't want to go there or do that or say that. Yeah. And also it's it's hard when there's no set um, schemes where salaries are awarded or, you know, oh. when you w- work in particular parts of the industry where you have to negotiate yep. where where you want to be and things like that. And yes. sometimes that can be an uphill battle. And, you oh, know. Sydney Radio. Like, let, let's just go to there for a second. And stop me if this is boring you. I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about all of this with anyone. I do not begrudge Rove McManus getting his purported couple of million a year, whatever the contract is that he's apparently uh-huh. on. And I understand that Sam Frost, as a new talent to radio, isn't going to get $2 million. That's okay. For her to allegedly be getting 10% of what Rover's on yeah. is still amazing money. Yeah. But where's the equity in that? Um, 
if they're working the same hours and the same side job. Side by side, they're hosting um, Today FM. Certainly, I think experience plays a key. So, sure. if you've worked your whole life in an industry and you have that experience, then you should probably, your remuneration should probably be should based be on that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, it's reported. I don't know if that's actually a fact. But, you know, I mean, equality is extremely important. And yep. it's something that's really important to me. That's for sure. Well, it, seem, it seems to be that if we talk about regional radio, particularly commercial regional radio, yep. it's it's very equitable. Everyone gets paid shitty. <laughs> and then you sort of move from regional into sort of your, your near metro stuff. So like yeah. your Central Coast or your Golden Sunshine Coast. And it starts to be, how's your talent? What are you like? Yeah. And it would be very few women mm-hmm. that, apart from career radio heads, like say uh, a Kate Langbrook or a... Um, I'm just trying to think of others that maybe Jackie O is a bad example, but she's that's all she's done as best I can recall. Mm-hmm. Ugly Phil and now Kyle um, that earn any kind of big big money, yeah. And I understand it's tied to their ratings and tied to the the money they bring in for the station and those sorts of things. But then when you flip to you know the other kinds of things, it, it's just it seems to be crazy talk. Like couldn't speak to what Dan and Maz were on. They were a pretty tight team, mm-hmm. but they still negotiated independently because that's that's the game. Yeah. It's a rare radio duo or trio that say, no, no, we are this. This is us. So yeah. this is the... We, we're, we all get paid the same or whatever. Yeah, but I guess if you go in as a team or whether you're employed separately mm. makes a difference because a lot of teams nowadays aren't necessarily teams to start with. They're pulled yeah, yeah. in together and recruited from different areas. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, there's the the facts are out there. I mean, there is a massive uh, inequality with wage, you know, with men and women's wages, yeah. and it's no different in our industry. I mean, it's probably bigger than most, to be honest. The only place it would probably get close, and I say this guardedly again because it's all alleged, is the ABC, <laughs> where there are a number of female broadcasters holding down, anchoring, you know, um, shows. You know, most of the ABC shows are singles. And it, no, I, I don't think it, uh, I mean, that, it, that they're working towards it. And I mm. actually went to a Women in Media in Queensland um, conference recently yes. where they did a talk specifically on wages mm. and negotiating wages. And they had the ABC GM there. And yeah, it's something that you see, the, the women in the top jobs at the ABC is, you know, something that perhaps would give us hope. Yeah. But that's, I would say, an exception to the rule. Well, there's still <laughs> levels of commercial incompetence there. It's not like a, yeah. a, a, air quotes, proper public service job where you're classified as an AO whatever or an yeah. SP something. And that means this is your salary band. It's still the acknowledgement that, well, because of the radio connection. But ratings in terms of how good did Lee and Annabelle do, though, with the election? Oh, smashed it. <laughs> the ABC absolutely killed it for the election coverage. And people still found things to pick on, but it was oh, great. God, so, yes, they did. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of this, what can't you tolerate? What can't I tolerate? Bad drivers. <laughs> <laughs> Without People bad drivers, doing silly things, tailgaters. You wouldn't have a job without bad drivers. No, thank you, bad drivers, <laughs> for giving me my bread and butter. Um, yeah, so probably bad drivers. What can I tolerate? Oh my goodness. Mm, I have to think about that one. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's one because it's one of my day-to-day things that yeah. I deal with. I guess um, extreme arrogance mm-hmm. is something that I find sure. hard to to handle um yeah probably those are my two main ones you i would say radio. 
I do work in radio. I try to make my way through radio. Nice. <laughs> that's that's a hell of a mix. It's a, such an interesting beast. How do you describe your experience of family? Family. Um, it's been a rude awakening, yeah. <laughs> I would say. Um, I don't think any anything can really prepare you mm. for parenthood. Um, I think that, you know when you're going to have a baby, you know that you'll love that baby. Sure. But what you don't realize is the level of love that you will have for your own child, where it's to the point where it will drive you to sleepless nights, anxiety, nervous breakdowns. um, What if anything were to happen to them? Sort of anxiety, mental breakdowns. And that level of love is something that you can never prepare yourself for. And it's quite, I think I was quite ignorant to that. I always knew, I'll love my kids. Mm. But it's that level of love that you have for your kids that I think nothing will ever prepare you for. And the lack of sleep. You know that you don't get sleep. People talk about it, but it makes you crazy. It really does. It changes your personality and it changes who you are as a person, how you deal with things is the lack of sleep and the just the relentless nature of making sure that you cover every base and then the (laughs) enormous letdown when you realise that you haven't managed to cover every base (laughs) for the day and that you've forgotten something along the way. Yeah. But but we still soldier on, right? We still we do to get pick on top up, of it. wake up next day yep. if you're not already awake after being up seven times that night, That's and right. then you start all over again. Well, and, and well, if they're not in racing, your mum, mum, dad, dad, wake yeah. up at something, something, which in and of itself can be a remarkable moment, but can yeah. also be you were asleep for an hour, uh huh, and it's six o'clock. Yeah, mummy needs some shut eye. And I think one of the best things you can always do is try and remember what it was like to be a kid. It's hard mm. some days, but you've got to put yourself in a child's mind and think, yep. what would I have done at this age? And then I think that's a good gauge as to how mm. you handle things. But, you know, the, one of the other things is that having had a child um, who's had, you know, some a, a rocky start in life in terms of health, mm. um, one thing I, I do have enormous sympathy for and admiration for is the parents of kids who are in hospital. Yeah. And um, it's just something I couldn't even fathom, like yep. having a, a kid with, you know, really special high needs or an illness. Mm. I know you see about it in the news, but I just think the agony, the absolute yeah. agony of living a life knowing your child is ill. I just, I, I hats off to them Yeah. because they're some of the strongest people I know. Oh, and, and phenomenal some of the... Uh, the way that that hospitals deal with those situations, yeah, because they acknowledge that it's not just let's care for the child and, and help them yeah. get well or do what we can do, but it's also well the parents are spare. They yeah. are just going barmy at their helplessness in yeah. the scenario, and and so the way that they try and help and provide, and and other charities come in and help and provide, you know, a little bit of a break for the parents, or just to break up the monotony of sitting in a hospital bed or chemo, whatever it is. Yeah. Poor kids going through. Yeah. It's just amazing, and then and then there's the medical professionals who are doing their darndest. Yeah, absolutely. It it would be. I don't know how people do. I don't even know how you work in that industry because some of the stuff you hear and see about it's heartbreaking, and that's one thing I know that. I think a lot of those parents are really strong. Yeah. Oh, goodness me. Incredible. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Well, I I hope that I can further my skill set, become more knowledgeable Mm. about media. I'm actually, well, I've spoken to you, but I'm actually um, finishing up at traffic headquarters. (gasps) Yes. 
within the next week or so. From, no more helicopters. From doing this. No more heli. Well, perhaps. <laughs> no, well, no more helicopters for the time being. I'm actually um, going to work as a media and public affairs officer with Queensland Police. Excellent. Congratulations. Thank you. That's Thank very you. awesome. So it's a big change, but it's not. A big change. Yeah. So it's a big change, but not. It's sort of a similar field to what I do, um, but just such a good experience. Yeah. And it will be invaluable in terms of the skills that I'll develop sure. and the things that I'll be able to learn. Um, another side of media that I haven't mm. really worked in as well, um, more communications as opposed to actual broadcast. Yes. And I'm looking forward to getting my teeth into that. Um, my writing, like I, you mm. know, I haven't really written. Everything I do is kind of improvised now. Yeah. And it'll be more writing and you know dense and I'm yep. yeah I'm looking forward to it. It'll keep my mind ticking over. I think. That's great. Well, there's obviously some very serious stuff engaged in the nature of what that role will be. Yes. Um, but also some moments. Of of light and yes. some you know, almost comedy that play into that given the rise of the way uh, the media unit you know, yeah. interact with And the they public. have a great, they have a worldwide reputation. They've got a great reputation. Yeah. They've got a great media unit there. Yeah. Um, they handle things well. I think they handle things well. They've, you know, certainly reflect Queensland Police mm-hmm. um, in a positive way way and yes. so I'm really proud I'm really honoured I think to be asked to go it's there so good yes thank you no it's awesome hey Penny yes thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today please know the things you've said are very special and you're highly valued thank oh you. thank you thank you so much I really appreciate it it's my pleasure you are obviously a tweeting person are there other social accounts you want people to know about I do have an Instagram account, which is Pennycopter, mm-hmm. as well as that. But, um, I mean, originally I, with my flying, I, you know, I just started taking photos to document accidents yeah. and, you know, tweet about accidents that were happening. But gradually when I started taking photos of other things, people took notice. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of grown from there. I guess that's where the Twitter sort of grew for me and it's played a big role in what I do actually. And eventually I invested in a camera that had a longer lens that I could get better pictures of. And now a lot of what I take, scenic shots of Brisbane seem Mm -hmm. to be what is popular. And the news outlets enjoy them as well, not just the scenic shots, but then, you know, the... The, the accident shots, everything yep. that, that can be used by news outlets. But people like jacarandas, who would have thought? Mm. Aerial shots of jacarandas, I think, you know, probably made it for a year for me. Well, at least we get to turn it on, don't we? Yeah, so, and, you know, it's a beautiful city. Oh. And I think people, when they see that, it reminds them. And I think yes. that's what that's what makes people happy and that's what appeals to people is when they see those sunrises or see those views, yeah. it's, it reminds them what they love about Brisbane rather than being stuck in traffic or the other things yeah. that may not be making them so happy about their day. This has been Humans of Twitter and I can confirm that at Pennycopter is indeed human. <laughs> <laughs>